my little girl, well, my little girls, Hannah and Danae, started school again this week. Danae for the first time. And do you know that when they get their little uniforms on and you get the camera out and you take a camera the first time, it's always a little bit emotional, isn't it? Because barring a miracle, Danae is the last daughter I will ever have go to school for the first time. And uh, they went off to school, to their new school, and with a heavy heart, Dad and I think Mum trudged out and left them behind. Well, I must say it was a, a blessed relief in some ways too after six weeks of children, although I love them. But uh, 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 the school that they go to, the Adventist school at Castle Hill, they had a, um, a handout that they gave us. And there was a story in the handout that I wanted to share with you this morning because it introduces our Bible study so well. And when I read this story, it really moved me. And I want to share it with you as we begin our Bible study this morning. It goes like this. So recently, and so we're talking just in the last few years, a frail black woman rose slowly to her feet in a South African court. She was in her 70s. The years were etched deeply into her face. Facing her across the room were several white security officers from their former apartheid regime there in South Africa. One, I hope I say this rightly, a Mr Vanderbrock had just been found guilty of murdering the woman's son and her husband. So you can imagine the court scene. It was fairly sombre. A number of years earlier he had this white man come to the woman's home where he shot her son at point blank range. Very traumatising. We live in a wicked dark world and not only did he shoot her son at point blank range, he and other officers then burned the body while laughing and joking about it. Later the same security officer returned to take her husband away as well. For two years she heard nothing. Then finally she was taken to see her husband, bound, beaten and laid upon a pile of wood. This is a true story. The last words the woman heard her husband say before they poured petrol over him and set him in fire were, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. However, justice had now caught up with Mr Vanderbrock. He had been found guilty and it was time to determine his sentence. As the woman stood, the judge asked, as is the practice in South Africa, as the woman stood, the judge asked, so what do you want? How should justice be done to this man? And the judge pointed at him, who has destroyed your family. I know what I would say. I want three things, began the old woman calmly and confidently. First, I want to be taken back to the place where my husband's body was burned so that I may gather the dust up and give him a decent burial. Secondly, my husband and son, they were my only family. I want Mr. Vanderbrock to become my son. I would like him to come to my township once a week and spend a day with me so that I can pour out upon him whatever love I have still remaining in me. And finally she said, I would like Mr Vanderbrock to know that I offer him my forgiveness 
because Jesus Christ died to forgive and he forgave me. This was also my husband's wish. Then she asked, would someone please lead her over to Mr. Vanderbrook so that she could embrace him and let him know that he was truly forgiven. You can imagine the court scene. Overwhelmed, Mr. Vanderbrook fainted. Then quietly in that courtroom, friends and family and neighbours, all victims of decades of oppression, began to sing softly. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. That old woman, as I read that story, had something that many of us don't. Something that allowed her to face the darkness with courage and Christian grace. And it is that something that that old woman had that I want to speak about for a few moments this morning. And if you have your Bibles, and I pray that you do, I want to invite you to open them to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. And there we, we come upon what I think is one of the great stories of the Bible. 1 Kings chapter 19. And we're going to be looking at verse 9 onwards. 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 9 onwards. For those of you who don't know the setting, and I will give it to you very briefly, Elijah was an ancient Israelite prophet of God. He lived in very dark times. Israel was in great apostasy. They were doing terrible things. They were worshipping heathen idols. They were sacrificing their children, sometimes their only son, their only daughter, to heathen pagan gods. The king, his name was Ahab, was in God's view, read the Bible, the worst king Israel ever had. His wife Jezebel, now I grew up in a Christian family, my father would tell us stories morning and evening, Bible stories for worship. And by the way, fathers and mothers, you should be leading your children in worship morning and evening and you should be telling them Bible stories. You should be recounting Bible stories to them. When I wandered from God, it was these Bible stories. It was these times of worship that brought me back. And my father, as he would tell us these stories, would paint Ahab and especially Jezebel in a very dark light. Jezebel was a wicked, wicked queen. But you know, God is sovereign of the earth and God was king of Israel and God called the Israelites together and you can read it in 1 Kings 18. There was a tremendous confrontation. If you don't know the story, go and read it. It's a wonderful story. A tremendous confrontation between God and the devil, between God and his prophet, his lone prophet, Elijah. And over 400 evil prophets of Baal and God, oh, I wish we had time to look at the story. But he won a resounding victory. God won a resounding victory that day. By the end of the day, over 400 prophets of Baal had been executed by men of God. God had won. Israel had come back 
to God. This was one of the most stunning victories for God in the entire Bible and Elijah was on top of the mountain, not just Mount Carmel. He was on top of the spiritual mountain as he had watched God through him win a great victory. But Jezebel, this wicked queen, oh, my dad used to pump her up. He'd talk about how she would paint her eyes and she would have be bedecked in all this heathen pagan jewellery and as little boys you can imagine we would sit there with wide eyes listening as Dad described this evil queen. She was evil. She was wicked. And she was not on Mount Carmel. She had not seen the power of God. And when she heard that Elijah had put to death her 400 plus pagan priests, she said to Elijah, may the gods that I serve so help me if I don't do the same to you before this day is finished. And do you know what Elijah did? On top of the mountain, at the highest peak of his spiritual experience, he panicked and he fled and he ran and he ran and he ran. You ought to read the Bible and see how far he ran. Long way till he found himself, it's a bit of a story, but he found himself in a cave. And this is where we pick the story up in 1 Kings chapter 1, 1 Kings chapter 1 and verse 19. When Elijah got to the cave, he crawled into it and he went to sleep. Then the word of the God came to him and said, So Elijah, what are you doing here? I want you to look at something here. God is talking to Elijah. Elijah is hearing God. Look, remember that point, we'll come back to it. God is talking already to Elijah. How I wish I had an experience with God, I don't. Well, I could audibly hear the voice of God like Elijah did. God came down, God looked down. He saw Elijah in his cave and he said, Elijah, what are you doing here? And I wonder this morning whether God is speaking to some of us in our caves. Perhaps as God called Elijah to work, so he's calling you to work. Perhaps he's calling me. We are, perhaps we are not listening. Perhaps God's calling you to be a worker for him on a full-time basis. Speak to the young people from among a pastor or a teacher or a missionary. Or perhaps he's challenging you and I speak to my friends here at Wurunga SDA this morning. Perhaps he's challenging you to bring that workmate to church or to bring that lost son or daughter to one of our evangelism programs. And we are in our cave and we have fled. We are afraid and God looks down at us as he did to Elijah and he says, what are you doing in your cave? Elijah, what are you doing in that cave? I remember when I was wandering from the Lord, looking at this now from a different angle, and I found myself in a nightclub not far from this church, would you believe it? I remember coming home from that nightclub that night. I had not been walking with the Lord for a long time, but I remember distinctly the Lord impressing me with the same message. Lloyd, in that nightclub, what are you doing? It's a challenge. Elijah, what are you doing in this cave? 
You serve the sovereign God of heaven. You have nothing to fear. Lloyd, why are you so afraid to ask your neighbour to church? Lloyd, what, what fear inside of you stops you from, from calling your brother to follow me? There's lots of fears that we have. We don't step out because we're afraid and the same call resounds to us. What are you doing in that case? Verse 10. I like Elijah's answer because I relate to it. He says, I've been working my heart out for you, God. He's defensive. The people of Israel, they've abandoned your covenant, destroyed the places of worship and murdered your prophets. Now listen to this claim. He says, I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me. Very easy to find yourself in Elijah's position. Remember I made a stand in New Zealand in youth work. It was a it was, a, it was not an easy stand, it was a difficult stand, it was a hard stand and I did come under some oppression for this spiritual stand in youth leadership that I had taken and I remember many times getting on my knees to my shame I suppose and saying, God, I'm the only one. There's no one left who's faithful to you. Don't fall into Elijah's trap. If you're serving the Lord, don't fall into Lloyd Grolleman, the same trap Lloyd Grolleman fell into. Lloyd Grolleman is not the only one. You are not the only one. This is not the only church that's serving God faithfully. Let me tell you now that I have in 17 years of pastoral work seen hundreds, perhaps thousands of people making stands for Jesus that hurt. I've seen people, many of them, give up good jobs for the Sabbath. I remember working in New Zealand, some of you might know, one of the flankers for the, used to be, for the Auckland, not for the Auckland, but for the New Zealand All Blacks was a fellow called Michael Jones. Perhaps, and I like rugby, did you know that? Perhaps one of the best breakaway flankers the game has ever seen. Tremendous player. For those of you in the know will know that Michael Jones made a stand, an unpopular stand. And whenever the All Blacks were playing on Sunday, wrong day but he had the right spirit. Michael Jones refused to play rugby. Making a stand with the knowledge that he had for Jesus Christ. A strong, powerful stand. A witness that reverberated around the world. It would not matter if the All Blacks were playing in the final of the Tri-Nations. Michael Jones would be at church. It would not matter if the, if the All Blacks were playing in the semi-final or the final of the World Cup, although I can't remember when the All Blacks made the final of the World Cup, so I guess that doesn't work. But the fact is the guy was strong, was loyal, was faithful for God. You can go to communist countries, you can go to countries that are Muslim dominated right around the world and you're going to find thousands, nay, millions of Christians making stands for Jesus Christ and God. And those of you who know the story will know that Elijah was having himself on. Because later on in this story God said, hey, you're not the only one making a stand for me. There are 7,000 still walking for me right now. Now it's interesting what now happens. Because God says, follow this in verse 11, and this is the climax of this study this morning. Then God said to Elijah, go stand on the mountain at attention. 
and I will pass by. Now listen to this. A hurricane wind ripped through the mountains and shattered the rocks before God, but God was not to be found in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, fire, but God was not in the fire. Look what's happening here. This is a stunning event. Elijah is standing at the entrance of the cave and a hurricane. Have you ever been in a hurricane? I've been in a cyclone. Fearful event with winds possibly over 200 kilometres an hour rushed by that mountain. God was not in that hurricane. God, God was not in that earthquake. Have you ever been in an earthquake? Closest I got to being in an earthquake um, was San Francisco. I know what it's like to have the house move on you, see the walls shake and the lights moving back and forth. Very scary, but God was not in the earthquake and God was not in the fire. Listen, look at your Bibles. Verse 12, And after that fire a gentle and quiet whisper. You have a hurricane, you have an earthquake, have a fire. Does that describe some of our lives? I think so. And after that, a gentle and quiet whisper. Elijah did not respond to the hurricane. Elijah did not respond to the earthquake. He did not respond to the fire. But look at verse 13. When Elijah heard the quiet voice, he covered his face with his great cloak went to the mouth of the cave and stood there. And a quiet voice asked again, So Elijah, tell me, what are you doing here? It is so powerful. It was the gentle, quiet whisper of God that got through to Elijah in his time of darkness. Now I ask you this morning at the beginning of this church year, are you hearing the gentle, quiet, still voice of God in your life? With hurricanes, with earthquakes and fire all around about you, the earth is falling down around our ears. Many of our lives are in turmoil. We are struggling, many of us, in our marriages. We are struggling in the workplace. We are unsettled in our hearts. We are going through a time of trouble already. Are you, I'm asking you, I'm asking you, are you, are you hearing the gentle, quiet voice of Jesus in your life? I can hear him in the church this morning. Can you hear the Lord? In this church right now, can you hear that gentle whisper speaking to your heart, reaching down into depths that nobody else can reach except God? I can hear it. Come now as the Lord whispers to our hearts. Let us reason together says the Lord. This is the gentle voice of Jesus talking to us in this church this morning. A live God 
Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. The gentle whisper of God deep into our hearts where nobody else can go. Come to me, says Jesus in that gentle voice. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And Jesus says, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Are you hearing it? Hebrews 13.5, Jesus whispers to us, I will, he promises, I will never leave you or forsake you. Every time, and you can be in your cave, it does not matter. You get on your knees. Every time you open this miraculous book that's changed my life so much, you will hear the gentle whisper of Jesus Christ. And I'll say it again, he reaches down into the depths of your heart where nobody else can go. And as a pastor, I see a congregation, I see a world in desperate need of this gentle whisper that moved Elijah, that moved me, and will move you if you let it. I think back in conclusion to that old woman who was able in that courtyard to ask for forgiveness for that man who caused her such harm. And I can tell you this morning that on reflection of that story, the only way she was able to do it is you have a woman who is in contact with God, who has the gentle voice of God in her ear, in her mind and in her heart. And when you have the gentle voice of God whispering to you, you begin to act like, you begin to behave like, you begin to see things as God does. You know, when Elijah heard that gentle whisper, he got up out of that cave, he walked down from that mountain and he finished the work that God had given him to do. It wasn't a hurricane that moved him, it certainly wasn't an earthquake and a fire couldn't budge him, but the gentle whisper of Jesus Christ brought him out of that cave and into his work. You know something, as a pastor, I can tell you that I'm very, very human. And like you, I know what it's like to be hurt. Like you, I'm suffering from living in this world. Like you, I know what it's like to have people say things about me sometimes that are true and sometimes that aren't. I know the struggles of life intimately. I praise God I have a good wife. And for those of you who don't know Diana, I want to tell you that she's as good a wife as a pastor can get. And I know it and I praise God every day in prayer that I have her. Because I talk to her about the troubles and the struggles and the trials I have in life and I get some comfort. Last night in opening Sabbath, my little daughter, Danae, loved my girls, fell asleep in my arms 
And I look down into her angelic face and I know that there at this stage in life anyway is someone who loves me unconditionally whether dad is good or bad, whether they behave or misbehave, then they love the dad. And I get some comfort from that. But in the hurt and the pain and the struggles of life, I find no comfort like the comfort of my Jesus and the gentle whisper that reaches into my ear and down to my heart as I spend time with him in Bible study and prayer every day. And I'm looking at you and I've got to believe that you're a people like me that are struggling and battling. And you need to hear the gentle whisper that Elijah heard in your lives too. I want to encourage you into your Bibles. I want to encourage you to get on your knees and pray this year and encourage that gentle voice of... I want to encourage you to allow that gentle voice of God to reach down into your heart and to change you as he did Elijah and praise God as he is doing to me. Let's pray. God, we are a people who knows hurt We are a people, unfortunately, that know pain all too well. We battle with this life, with the uncertainty of it, with the perils of it. We battle, Lord, with what others may say about us. We battle and work, some in marriages, wherever we are, Lord. We come before you this morning and we acknowledge so desperately that we need you. Give us wisdom in our caves to hear your gentle voice in our Bible study and prayer, Lord. And as you speak gently to us, may we find healing and direction. Is our prayer in your name, Lord. Amen.